Well, good morning. So good to be here in Crowley, the rice capital of the world. Come on. And, uh, you know, just uh, I'm just here this morning. I'm going to start a brand new series for you guys and all of our churches. Uh, we're actually, uh, we're going to be doing for the next uh, 21 days, we're going to be doing a, a whole series called Pray First. And so what I want to talk to you about is about that. All of our, I just want to say this again, all of our campus have, campuses that we have have been experiencing incredible growth. I'm so excited when I got to see the video of when you guys did the baptism outside, out front. And uh, I, in fact, I met a guy um, that drove by that came to the church in Jennings the other day that saw you guys baptized. And people were driving and go, what in the world? You know, when they were driving by to see and everything. So, you know, and i just saying, you know, that we've had so many people. Then, and I just want to say this, I'm excited about, uh, come, you know, uh, how to find your God-given passion conference. that we're going to have this coming Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I just, I'd encourage you to, whatever you can do to get there in Jennings at the Jennings campus. We're going to have a great time. We're going to have all three of the campuses come together. And uh, I know that, you know, my best friend from Africa, Willem Nell, is going to be there, which uh, I'm excited. And Pastor Cletty Keith, who's one of my over, my personal overseers, at, one of our overseers for the church is going to be there. And he's traveled all over the world and seen incredible, incredible things. I don't know if you've ever heard a guy named Bill Johnson. Uh, he's Bill Johnson's best friend and, uh, there. But uh, if, you, if, you get behind, uh, if you get behind the scenes and, you know, of our church... Uh, and you go, you know, what's the success of our church? Is it the cool videos or, and the lights? Or, you know, we have great preachers, great pastors. Uh, you discover quickly it's not all that, but that we're a praying church. And I know that uh, before every service, I know there's a group somewhere in all of our campuses that are getting together and pray. When I, pray, when I preach in Jennings, there's a room that there are people, there are people that are intercessors that are actually praying while I'm preaching. And so you just, it's like, it's incredible, just, you know, but before we do everything, we believe it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of the Lord. And I, I know this, it's, this is all God, we have a church built on prayer. When we started our church 15 years ago in Jennings, it was built on prayer. When we started in Eunice, it was built on prayer. When it started here in Crowley, it was built on prayer. And I, I'm just telling you, it's true that with our church, how much could... You know, how can be, how much, you know, if it's true of our church, how much more could it be true of your life and of your family? If it's built on prayer and what God can do. And see, starting tomorrow, we're going to start 21 days of prayer. And that's why I think I have it up here. Yeah, you received this booklet right here. And what we're going to be doing, we're going to be meeting on all the campuses. I know Zach told me just you guys are going to need to meet in life groups and as individuals and getting together. But next week, you guys are going to be meeting in that built, that little room that they're finishing out. And they're going to meet at six, from 6 to 7 o'clock. We're going to be praying for an hour and uh, for 21 days. And I'm, that's what I want to talk to you about. In fact, uh, this, this little book right here we put together is for you. And it's, it's not to tell you, it's not, uh, let me just ask a question before I think. How many of you sometimes you're just confused on how to pray? Come on, let's be honest. How many of you frustrated with your prayer life? Come on, y'all, I'm going to leave my hand up. I mean, how many of you goes, man, no one ever taught me how to pray, so sometimes I, I don't even know what to pray or how to pray. And some of you go, my prayer is just help God. And so what we did is we're, we put an outline. It's, not, it's, it's just an outline. It's to give you an opportunity 
to help you in your prayer life. And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to, I want to start, I just want to talk to you about what it is. I know during, the, during January we do 21 days of pray and fasting. And in the fall we do 21 days of prayer and feasting. Because I'm not fasting, I'm going to eat. That's all I got to say. But what we're going to do, and so we're adopting a new rally cry at all of our campuses starting today. Before we do anything, we want to pray first. Amen? So what does that look like, Pastor? What, if, what, if, what would it look like if every morning you woke up and you, when you woke up and you just go, Father, thank you for a new day. Thank you that I have an opportunity. God, that I woke up this morning, and man, the, you know, good morning, Lord. I just, I dedicate this day to you. Wouldn't it be great? How about before you go to bed that you would pray first? How about maybe before you eat, you would pray first? How about before you went, you know, before you, you made that appointment that you needed to make? And you stop and you go, oh, God, I just pray right now, Father, I thank you for this appointment that I have with this person. And, God, that you're going to be with me. You're going to give me favor in this situation. And in the end, then I'm going to be blessed with a lot of money to give. Amen. Is it okay to pray that way? That if we pray, think about it. Before your kids go off to school, wouldn't it be good to pray first? Lord, I pray. I pray for my children every day. Let me just say this. Every day my children went to school. As they go to school, I still in, in school, I lay my hands, if I'm at home, or my wife lays her, hand, my, her hands on my children, and we just pray, God, protect them, be with them, help them to understand and retain what they need to retain, and we just pray you just bless them. Amen. You know, and, and, and it's like, you know, it, it, how many of you know it would just be better to pray first? I'll just say this, before I leave, every morning, I look at my wife, and I tell her I love her, and I can stand here and say this, and I pray over her. I said, God, be with her today. Help her in all of her endeavors and everything she needs. Everything's going to take place today in this household. God, I pray you'd give her wisdom. I pray you'd give her insight. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just cover her mind and her heart and her emotions, that you would be with her in Jesus' name. Amen. And I look at her, I kiss her, give her a big old kiss and say, I love you. Have a great day. Amen. For some of you, you might need to do that. It might help your prayer life. It may help your marriage. Thanks for all those amens. Before you send an email, you might need to, come on, for some of the emails you might need, come on, say it with me, say pray what? Come on, y'all kind of, so before you, let's say before you get on Facebook, you might want to, first, okay, I'm just trying to help you, okay, pray first. So what if in every situation we would just we would just pray first. How many think things might be a little different? You see, today I want to teach you to pray. Is that all right? I want to teach you to pray. And next coming weeks, we're only going to do a couple of weeks. It's going to be a short series. But what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to show you how to, work in, how to work prayer into your life. And so what I want to do this morning, I want to look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 and 18. And I know you can probably read it. Y'all have the notes up there? Y'all don't. Okay, good. Okay, y'all don't. All right. Do you have the notes? Just say it loud. No? Some of them. Okay. All right, you have your notes with you this morning? Your notes should be a prayer guide. When we're finished with this, when I'm finished sharing this message, you can use your notes as a prayer guide. Is that all right? 
And so what I want to do is that 1 Thessalonians says, always be joyful. Another version says, rejoice always. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. And you know, how many of you want to know, how many of you want to know the will of God? Look what it says. For this is God's will for who? For you. And he says, who belong to Christ Jesus. It means this. It means in every situation, I'm going to bathe. I'm going to bathe it in prayer. Not only that, I'm going to, be, I'm going to bring prayer into everything I do. Not only that, what is God's will for my life? It's for me to pray first before I make a decision. Prayer should be my first response and not my last resort. See, what a lot of people do, instead of praying first, they call out rescue 911 when your back's against the wall. Oh, God, help me. And, you know, God will come in his mercy many times. But how many of you know if you prepared your heart, prepared yourself to believe God to do something, when God shows up, you might notice it. You know, many of us act first, and then we, then we ask God to bail us out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, listen, when I preach, I like people to talk back at me. Thank you, thank you. I don't care if you pull out a hanky and say, I surrender. You know, if you hold up your watch, we'll put that in the offering plate. Anyway. But, you know, our world, how many of you know, let me just say this. How many of you know our world is in peril? You believe that? I mean, our world's in trouble. There, 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 there's been so, there's so, so much moral decline. We're abandoning God. We're mocking God. We're boarding babies. And, you know, we're having the Middle East, all the things that are going on that in the Middle East. And people ask me, you know, a lot of times, the biggest question I get a lot of times, we're going to do a series on, we're going to do a thing, we're going to do a survey of the churches, and you ask for it. And we're going, to, we're going to ask you, what are the top four things you would like to hear us preach about? And one of the things we just did in, in Jennings, it was about the last days. People ask me all the time, are we living in the last days? Let me just say, you see all the stuff happening all around you? I believe we're not in the last days. I believe we're in the last moments. And I believe we're the last day generation. And what does that look like? What does that mean? And we're going to talk about that. And even have a scripture that I want to use right here, Second Chronicles. And it just says this, at times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls. Or command grasshoppers to devour our crops. Or send plagues among you. Then if my people who are called... By my name will humble themselves and what? And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. You know, you have a role in in, in going on that's taking place in society. We have a role in society. We should be praying. What does that look like? You know, it reminds me of a Boudreaux joke. I got to at least share one Boudreaux joke. You know, Boudreaux was driving down the road, kind of swervy, and the, the Louisiana State Police pulled him over, and he goes, hey, Boudreaux, what you, I noticed you were swerving around on the road, and he said, uh, man, you smell drunk, boy. He goes, well, we're going to have to take a, a, breath, a breath test on you. He said, oh, you can't take no breath test on me. I'm asthmatic. I might die. Well, then, if we can't take that, then we're going to take a blood test. And, oh, no, you can't take a blood test. I'm a hemophiliac. I might bleed to death. He said, well, well then we're going to have to bring you down to the station and do a, a urine sample. And, well, I'm diabetic. I might die. And then, we're, well, 
well, then we're going to have to make you walk this straight line then, Boudreaux. He goes, oh, I can't. He goes, well, why not? He goes, I'm drunk. Anyway, that's funny. Even if you don't laugh at it, that's funny. Anyway. Let's get rid of the excuses. I think this, I think God wants us to enjoy prayer. And I think church should be all about having a good time, laughing, and letting God grow us as individuals and challenge us. Amen? And see, I believe this is that I want prayer to be fun for you. I don't want, oh, you know, uh, lay me down to sleep in my soul to keep. If I do not wake, who made up that thing? You're going to die. Ooh, sounds like a weird, like sick prayer. But here it is. is that I, once Luke 11 says this. Is once Jesus was in a certain place praying and he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. By the way, disciples grew up memorizing prayers. They knew prayers. They weren't just asking, hey, teach us how to pray. But we were, they were saying this, teach us how to pray like that. Jesus, you pray. I mean, teach us how you pray like that. And Jesus responded, and we know the, the prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And what did he say? We have taken all the passion out of that prayer. How many of you are talking about you can go to a football game, football team, you know, our Father who art in heaven, I'll be there. You know what I mean? You can go somewhere else, and they can say that prayer, but it doesn't. How many of you have been around thinking people just say the prayer, but there's no passion? And see, what happens is it's, 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 it's recited and it becomes a monotone prayer. It's just something we know. Jesus never intended for us just to re- recite the prayer. It was an outline of prayer. So let's look and see what it says in Matthew. In Matthew, I'm going to look at it in two different, uh, chapter, two different Gospels. I'm going to use Matthew this morning. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, I, what I want you to do is when you're done today and you take these notes home, I want you to take those notes and I want you to pray for at least 10 to 15 minutes, these notes that I'm going to give you, and see if God doesn't start. Use it as an outline. You know what I'm saying? And then see if God doesn't start to do some things. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit kind of about the, I'm going to take that prayer and we're going to break it up. But I'm also going to talk about how I pray and, and why we put this together and what, what I feel like God wants to do. And so the first thing is, he says, our Father. That means don't connect God formally. You know, I know some people that pray in King James. Thou is Father. Thou is knowest thou in everywhere I goeth. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about his favorite name. What's his name? favorite name? Father. Father. I come to you. You're in heaven. You, you might go through. You might, you might. You should go and no further in prayer until you connect. I believe this relationally with your father in heaven. Because it's a relational connection. It's a personal, intimate relationship. Look, when I talk to my wife and we want to get intimate, let, let me just say this. No babies happen unless you get naked. And you know what I'm talking about. Anybody? All right. Oh, I can't believe he said that in church. It ain't happening. 
And see, the way I've got to be with God is I've got to be real. I've got to be naked. I mean, you know, Adam and Eve were naked in the garden. Come on, and unashamed. I've got to be naked. God doesn't want me to go, oh, Father, wherever y'all are. I know you're busy in heaven, Lord. People over there in Africa. No, what God is trying to say is, I want you to have an intimate, personal, can you just be real with me so I can be real with you? Friendship with God is the heartbeat of all. Nothing can substitute with that. You see, Romans 8 says, so you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Your view of God will determine your relationship with God. So the first thing is you got to connect to God relationally. you got to connect with God relationally. What is that? Your view of God determines. It's like my kid's view determines. I was reading something the other day, and, and I was talking to my wife, and I know this is just a freebie. It's not part of this message, but it is, but... You know, I was reading about, you know, I'm just going to give you a hint, guys. The way you get to connected with your wife is you get to know your wife's story. You get to know, you know, her greatest fears, moments in her life or defining moments in her life. Not only that, you find those things and you listen and, and, and then you, you begin to get, to get to, and then you find out how her father treated her. And then you can, if, you, if her father didn't win her heart, it's an indication that she has something in her story that you can win her heart. And that you can have that intimacy and that connection with your wife, man. And all the women said. And so I have a daughter. I have five sons. Zach's my oldest and I have my daughter that's 10. There's a 19-year gap. When Zach was going to Bible college, she was getting born. And we hold hands wherever we go. She comes to me. First thing she'll do is she'll sit on my lap. Last night she sat on my lap. We're watching Something, I don't remember what we were watching on TV, and she was just sitting on my lap. She just comes and sits on my lap. She feels comfortable. And she'll go, Daddy. And it's like, and there's a certain way she looks, and she says, Daddy. And I know she wants something. <laughs> you know, we went to Starbucks the other day, and she likes those cake pops. You know what I'm talking about? And, you know, Daddy, can I get a cake pop? Mama's not here. Heck yeah. <laughs> we ain't worried about sugar content. Just get it. And she just that, you know, and it's like we have that connection. And, and that's how God sees us. He sees us as his children. We're his children that he wants to be intimate with. And we can come, and the Bible says we, if we draw close to him, he draws close to us. Another thing is, it's like, you know, and then it goes on, hallowed be your name. That's not just a phrase. Do you know, do you know the names of God? You know, I, I can tell I have five sons. I can go tell my sons, you know, I, you know, tell your boys, hey, you know, hey, you send one of your boys, and they, and they go, hey, we're supposed to pick up the room. Okay, okay. And, but you can have one that says, hey, you go, hey, I use my son, Matt. Matt, go tell Zach and Andrew and Nathan to pick up the room. And Daddy said, he walks in with different authority. Hey. Dad said to pick up the room. Dad said? They start putting it away. Why? Why is that? You know what? God, in Proverbs, God's name is a place of protection. The righteous can run to it and be safe. 
There's authority in that name. You know, worship, and the, the, the second part is worship his name. How does that work? You know, when I look at it in, in, in this book that we put together, right here, I have some things that I wrote in this book that how we pray, and, and then I'm going to use some of these examples. And it just says right here, it says, first of all, we pray his name first. And then we pray, and notice Notice, notice what he says. And, and the righteous run into it. You know, that, that, that God is my righteousness. That means that he makes me clean. Amen? That he is, look at, he's my sanctifier. That means he's called me and he set me apart. That means he's my healer. You know, and I battled cancer for five years. And you know what? That I literally, I'll go, God, you are my healer. You're my provision. God, I believe in life and not death. I pray your life blood over me. I had, a, I had a scope this week on Wednesday, and I'm clean. Praise God, because God is my healer. He's my banner of victory. When I first found out I had cancer, the first thing I did, you can ask my wife and my doctor if she'll ever come. And I, the first thing is, and they confirmed they had cancer, and the first thing I did, I got on my knees. I had my doctor's hand and my wife's hand, and I said, God, I trust you. I trust you, God. And I got up and I looked at my doctor and said, I don't know, it's a journey, doctor, but I'm trusting God. The same God that saved me is the same God that's going to heal me. And it's a journey for me, and it's a journey for my family, it's a journey for you, and I believe in God to do something great. I'm believing for healing. I go in my office, and when I, every time my wife one day asks me, she says, Bubba, why do you always say, when you get to the doctor, I'm believing God for my divine healing? I said, I'll tell you why. I mean, do you forget you say that? Why do you say that? And I go, no, I, I do it on purpose because I want to remind myself what I'm believing for. And I want to remind the doctor what I'm believing for. Amen? Yes. Not only is he my healer, he's my provider. He provides everything that I need. He's my banner of victory. That means he's going to help me defeat my enemy. How many of you know you got an enemy? Am I just, I'm not mad, okay? I'm just... I'm not Zach, okay? Can I just say, Zach's nice. He's a teacher. I'm a preacher, okay? So forgive me. Okay, if it's your first time, I hope I don't run you off. Pray about it. But anyway, he's my peace. He's my peace in the middle of my storm. How many of you faced a storm this week? He's your peace in the middle of the storm. God, you're giving me the spirit of peace that passes all understanding. I take on your peace. Because, Lord, I trade, I trade all my confusion. I pr- trade my doubts. I trade all the junk that's coming in. And I take on your peace in the middle of my storm. You know, there's another word that he said, you're there. What does that mean? That means, Lord, you're there. In Psalm 139, he said, I can go to the mountains, I can go to the depths of the sea, and you there. You're there. Wherever I go, you are there. See, then it goes, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. It is in heaven. Notice the word your is twice. God is, has a prayer list. You know what's on it? Others. Others. How should we pray? Well, you should pray for President Obama. Doesn't matter your political leaning. My political leaning is the Bible. Amen? Okay? The political leaning, you should pray for your president. You should pray, we should pray for our senators, Senator Cassidy and Senator uh, running for governor. 
Bitter. David Bitter. Okay, I couldn't remember. I had a blank. Also, you should pray for Congressman Bustani here in our region. We should pray for our governor, Governor Jindal. We should pray for Mayor Jones here in Crowley. You should be praying for the teachers that are going back to school. Amen? And all the mothers are rejoicing. The teachers are afraid. You should pray for them. You should pray for you and your family. And the things that you influence. Matthew says, seek first. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. What does a kingdom look like? We say kingdom, and people think that's a presence. A kingdom has a king. And in that king, if that king has a kingdom, then he has a people. And if, he has a, if he's a king, he has a personality. And the people of that kingdom take on the personality of the king. Does that make sense? And that's what the kingdom is, that the kingdom would come. And see, and then, and he says, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. The third thing is you need to pray his agenda first. I want God's agenda. I want his agenda, not my own agenda. If I take care of his agenda, he will take care of my agenda. Amen? And see, then it goes on, then it says, then it says, give us this day, our daily bread. Big mistake we make is we, we, we only go to God when we need him. See, I encourage you to pray for what you need, even if you don't need it. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? That sounds good. It communicates to God that everything you have is because of him. And comes from him. That I pray first. You see, Psalm says, it like, I look to the mountains... Does my help come from there? No. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I love the story of David when Saul's surrounding him and he's, there, he's pursuing him. And all of a sudden, Saul gets a message and David's praying, Oh God, deliver me. Have you brought me out? I'm going to die. They're surrounding me. And then Saul, King Saul, who's going to kill David. He gets a message, the Philistines are out, and he has to leave. And David had just finished praying, he knew he was going to die. And he named that place, he goes, the rock of my escape. God is the rock of my escape. How many of you have ever had situations where just God got you out of it? That you put yourself in that situation, but God in his mercy got you out of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And see, what happens is he is the rock of our escape. And see, I encourage you to pray first. And see, the mountains was the seat of government of Israel. My help doesn't come from Capitol Hill. My help comes from God who's on high. Amen? Your help comes from on high. Depend on him. Number four, depend on him for everything. Depend on him for everything. My son Luke has a abscessed tooth and his jaw, you know, Claire had the baby Saturday, and he start, we started noticing something on Friday. Then Saturday, Tracy had got, she had gone and helped, she didn't help, she watched Claire have the baby, and her and Dee, and Rachel, her sister. And so I was larger in charge, you know. Come on, Dad, you know what I'm talking about. I, was, I don't babysit my children. I parent my own children. There's a big difference, okay. And so I was parenting. And I made sure I went and got donuts. And while I was going to get donuts, my kids were asleep. It was early, and my wife calls. Hey, what are you doing? And, and I'm just in the donut line about to order. And I go, hey, hold on. And I, and I did And she goes, did you leave the kids home? 
Hold on, I'll call you back. <laughs> you know. So I order the donuts, and I'm thinking, all right, enough time. I call her back. Hey, are the kids at home? Are they in the bed? Oh, baby, they're sleeping. Baby, it's early. Yeah, but what if they wake up and they don't know that you're there? They're going to, Baba, they're 10 and 12, okay? So y'all can report me. They didn't wake up. I'll be honest with you, they didn't wake up. And they had plenty of time and all that. But she was just worried about me parenting my children. God is my help. Because see, one time I did leave my children. Forgetting they were, I had to go somewhere. And she had gone. And I forgot she had gone and I left them. So that happened 12, 13 years ago. So I'm still overcoming that devil in, my, in her mind. All right. So anyway, they, it just resurrected that thing. You left them? You know, did you forget? Yeah, because she, she told me that night, she said, don't forget you're staying with the kids. So depend on him for everything. You know, I've followed the Lord for 35 years, and I've seen God do amazing things. There's been times, I can say this, I've never gone without. There was times I thought I was going to go without. There was times I remember, you know, tracing out missionaries, just doing stuff in the inner cities across America and stuff. I remember one time we didn't have enough money to buy groceries, and groceries appeared at our doorstep. I remember one time God telling me to give to a missionary. I had $30, and I had to fight God voice and my own voice because that was all the money I had left to go buy shotgun shells to go goose hunting I'm telling you the truth and God God just told me and I like to say I gave to the missionary with joy I didn't I just on God leave me alone the missionary I don't have no shells to hunt tomorrow you ever cry to yourself I went did a men's bible study that morning a guy came to me he's a catholic brother and he he said, Pastor, well, that was so good. But, you know, God spoke to me, and he gave me what I call a Pentecostal handshake. And if you're a preacher, you know that. It means they have money in their hand, and they shake your hand, and you go, and, and you just go, thank you. And so when he had left, and everybody left, I got in my truck, and I pulled it out, and it was three fresh $100 bills. And God said, I'll take care of your goose hunt. You just take care of my kingdom. Cool, y'all. Oh, don't clap. That's God. That's all good, God. I wasn't happy, but I was happy that morning. I'm going to give me a case. Because he told me, he said, don't spend it on anybody before what you want and need. That's what he, the Lord told me. He said, thank you, Jesus. So I went and bought some for my wife and kids, all that. But I did buy some shelves. The next thing is that we know, Lord, don't, don't, you know, he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. Is this helping anybody? Okay. Lord, don't let me become desensitized to sin. You know, search my heart, God. If there's anything that offends you, anything that's against you, or that, uh, Lord, or just point it out in my life because, God, I want an opportunity to repent and ask you to forgive me because I don't want to carry this thing on. And, God, I know there's people that I offend during the day. And, God, and there's people that will offend me. I got right now. I help you help me right now. Prepare my heart to forgive them right now. Before I even because I know something's gonna happen. I know, I know that I, I don't want to do that, but but just just me and you, God, that I I just it's just between if would you do that every day and help me so when people come and they offend me, I, I can always I already forgave them for that. 
that I can rejoice. You know what? I just I say that. It, how many know if you would do that every day, people would notice if you forgave them before they did something to you? Y'all are quiet. Think about it. If you ever forgave them. How many have people that, that God put you around, God gave you a job and he put you around people that you have a hard time with? Anybody like that? And go, well, they're working, they're not right next to me. How many of you, you know, you know why God does that? You know why God does that? Because he's trying to build something in you. And he wants you to be a testimony of his grace at work. And it, it, doesn't it seem like when you're a Christian at work that you have a bullseye on your back? Go, hey, why don't we ask Bill? He's the Christian around here. How many of you talking about? And they point you out, and they're going to, well, you know. You see, John says it like this, you know, but if we confess our sins, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. And then not only the, the, if we confess and, and he forgives us, but to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, anything that's not right in our heart, anything that's not right with us, that God would cleanse us. And see, that's what I'm saying. So what happens is we want to get our heart, you want to get your heart right with God. That's number five. And people. See, it's not just God, but it's God and people. That we want our heart right with them. You know, I can't function if something's not right with someone. I know I, me and a guy got into a, uh, I wasn't an art, but it was a disagreement. And we got on the phone and then, and then and right came in and said, well, I guess that's where we're going to go. And he goes, well, that's, I guess so. And then hung up. And the Lord spoke to me and said, pick it, call him back. You need to resolve it. I've learned this. Being married for 31 years, it's not good to go to bed unless things are resolved. And, and you know what that means sometimes? It's like my uncle. They asked him, he said, how, how have you and your wife been married for 65 years? He said, it's easy. We never go to bed angry at each other. Now, we've stayed up three days, but we've never gone to bed angry at each other. I've learned that a good marriage, you know, sometimes my wife has to get things off of her and out of her. And sometimes I'm like, oh, look. And sometimes my wife will go, you got that look. What is that look? What, what do we mean? You, you, you're looking at me, but you're somewhere else. I've learned this is that in order if I want to get things right, I've got to be right with God. And i got to get right with people. And that means sometimes that I need to forgive people that are going to hurt me ahead of time. That God will prepare my heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And see, the next thing is, is and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This, this can sound confusing because this is not a good translation. What, what it, you know what? God doesn't, God doesn't lead you into temptation. What he really means is, do not allow me to be led into temptation. What does that mean? Every day you have a chance to sin. How many you know what I'm talking about? We have a chance. And you need God's help. When you get there, that's what really what you're saying is, God, when I get there and I have an opportunity to sin, will you help me? Because there's an opportunity. Listen to me. Every day I have an opportunity to sin. But I want God to help me to notice the temptation when it's coming. 
Can I just say something? Sometimes we do, but sometimes we're stubborn. I remember doing the first Bible study I ever did. I was working for John Chance, and I started a Bible study there. And this guy came in, and I started talking about God. I, I don't even know what I was saying. It doesn't matter. My first Bible study, I can't imagine. Jesus loves you. <laughs> You're going to hell if you don't love me back. 